the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. The message this morning is entitled, Taming the Fury Within. And our text is taken from James chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. I read an article on uh, psychology today by Dr. Robert Agnew of Emory University. And in this article, uh, Dr. Agnew contends that GST, or general strain theory, is responsible for many violent crimes that happens that happen today he contends that there is a real causal relationship between the strains of life and the outbreak of anger in people's lives and that anger produced by the strain uh, often result in a commission of crime, sometimes violent crime. Although the findings did not conclude that people who are angry will necessarily commit a violent crime or a crime, but statistics shows that there is a greater potential of crime happening when anger uncontrolled anger is involved. The interesting about the part about the article is when it says that life strain that produces anger is really rooted in the fear that everybody has in their life. It says that the crimes of passion or voluntary manslaughter killings far outnumbers the premeditated types of murders. And Dr. Agnew went on to conclude that anger is not the primary emotion, but a secondary one brought about by the primary emotion of fear. Fears of rejection, resentment, inadequacy, failure, and abandonment that are unresolved since childhood. You know, I, I, I don't know if these findings are accurate. I cannot speak to that. I don't know if there are any contradictory studies that support this conclusion and how accurate this conclusion is. But one thing is clear. And everybody agrees on this one point. Anger 
internal fury is very real. And it can build up and strike. And it can do considerable damage physically, emotionally, and spiritually to ourselves and others. So the question is, why preach on this? Well, there's a lot of anger going on in this country right now. I don't know, you just turn on the television and you will see right away the amount of anger that people have. Anger at the pandemic. Anger at the loss of jobs. uh, And the loss of livelihood, source of livelihood. Anger at the police. Anger at the government. Anger at social injustice. It's a lot of anger going on in our nation today. And that's just the internal situations. That's just pertaining to what's going on around us. What about our internal struggle with anger? And you know, at some point in life, all of us, all of us will struggle with this internal anger, with this fury that is inside of us. I do agree that anger is rooted in fear. Again, I, I, you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not an expert, but it's easy to agree that anger is rooted in fear because the Bible speaks of it. Okay, the Bible says in First John chapter four and verse eighteen, the cause of anger and and the remedy for it when it says in first john chapter 4 verse 18 there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love and that's a beautiful verse and it speaks about the internal struggles we have including anger and how it's rooted in fear. So if you ever want to get rid of any negative emotions, including fear, including anger, rather, the remedy is to receive the love of God in our heart. That's as clear as day. So if we're struggling with anger on, our, on a personal level, chances are we have not received the gift of God's grace and truth in our hearts. So we need to yield to the leading of the Spirit who is driving us to the love of God. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Bible speaks of two types of anger, and we all know this. The two types of anger are basically godly anger and ungodly anger. Ungodly anger is born out of fear, Godly anger is born out of love. Now, I have to say this. All of us struggle with anger. Both the ungodly type and the godly type. So we need to learn how to tame that anger that is resident in the inside of us. Not because we have Good anger or righteous indignation or godly anger means we are justified to express it in our own way. 
Now, it's easy to deal with ungodly anger. You know, we can, we can, we, we can pretty much see uh, how to deal with that. It's ungodly. And we can deal with that with the Word of God. We can deal with that with prayer. We can deal with that. We can get healed from that. We can address it because we, I can identify how to not respond to ungodly anger the wrong way. But godly anger doesn't excuse us from responding our own way. So that's a very important distinction. It's more important to know that this morning than anything else. Many broken relationships, and I can, I, I can attest to this as I talk to a lot of people who are going through you know, a crisis in their marriage. You can always find that a lot of it is rooted on the fact that the person who is justified in their anger about the situation, usually responded the wrong way. And it causes the relationship to be broken. We could be right about our anger, but we could never express it in an ungodly manner. And that's the point that I want to come across this morning. Now, I'm not a, a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. Okay? I'm a preacher. So I can only address this from the standpoint of God's Word. What does the Bible say about this issue of taming the fury that is within us? So if you're looking for practical solutions on how to tame your anger, practical solutions in life, Go call your doctor, your psychologist, your psychiatrist. I don't have the answers to that. But if you agree that anger that is not tamed, not understood, can lead potentially to sin, then it's wise to know how to tame it from the standpoint of scriptural truth. All right? So what does the Bible say about anger and how do we tame it? Okay, let's read our text this morning. Again, James chapter 1, uh, verses 19 to 21. Listen to what James has to say about this whole thing. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Now, so how do we tame the fury within? James gives us four thoughts this morning. Four thoughts on how to tame this fury that is within us. Number one, and this is an important consideration for everybody who's struggling with this, and, and again, at some point we're going to struggle with this. It's important, number one, to contemplate before reacting. Contemplate, do some contemplation before reacting in anger. And why is that important? Because to contemplate is to stop ourselves and begin to think that two things 
are true. Two things are true. Number one, that we live in a troubled world. We live in a troubled world. It shouldn't surprise us that negative things that produces anger are a part of living in a troubled world. Number two, depending on how we react to that troubled world will get us into a world of trouble. Okay? Very important. Look again at what James says. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He's basically saying, don't fly off the handle. We need to practice the discipline of contemplation. Contemplation is a mental mechanism. It is a spiritual exercise, but it is a mental mechanism that helps us control how we react. When something negative starts to happen, it helps us to recognize again that we live in a fallen world. And depending on our reaction can get us into a world of trouble. This shouldn't take long. A lot of people say, well, you know what? When things are happening and I'm really getting angry, I don't have time to do any of that contemplation. If you're a child of God, this is not an option. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. You've heard preachers say that many times. We need to recognize the value of not flying off the handle and beginning and begin to think, begin to contemplate. It shouldn't take long to do, to just stop. We are fallen people. Remember that. Remember that you are now a follower of Jesus and your response reflect the new heart that you received when you placed your faith in Christ. You are no longer fallen positionally, but remember, practically, you and I are still fallen. What do I mean by that? Positionally, I came to faith in Jesus. My position is righteous as far as God is concerned because Jesus stands in front of me mediating on my behalf. My righteousness is given to me by Jesus. But practically, I still stumble and fall, and so do you. So positionally, you are no longer fallen, but practically, we still do stupid things. Like flying off the handle when we're angry. And James says, stop. In the name of love. Be slow to speak. Uh, be, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I'm, I'm going to make some poli- uh, non-political statement, but don't construe them as a political statement. Look at what's going on in our world today. L- look at what's going on if you just turn the news. I just want to illustrate a point. I don't want to make a political statement. Please, you know me better than that, Okay. Look at what's going on in our major cities here in America. There are demonstrations against racism and police brutality. These concerns are real. Everybody with their right minds must accept the fact that there are real problems that exist in this area. Okay? So that's not an issue. Demonstrations, people are angry about racism, about police brutality. The concerns are real. 
and the cause for righteous indignation seems justified. But not everybody's reaction to this is good. No one's thinking when they're angry. No one's contemplating when they're angry. And you know what we hear? Let's abolish the police department. We're so angry about the police. Let's abolish the police department. Let's get rid of the cops. It's like saying, I ordered a Big Mac and I was given a quarter pounder. Let's shut down all the McDonald's and everybody that works there. Oh, that's a ridiculous comparison. You know how many doctors are killing people because of their malpractice? You know how many? A lot. But does that mean we have to get rid of the doctors? Get rid of the hospitals? I'm just citing an example of what can happen when people's indignation, even though they are correct, can lead to some stupid things because of the lack of contemplation. As Christians, we need to be at the forefront of this. We can't get political on this. We have to get biblical on this. We have to think, contemplate on what's going on. In anger, some people are giving way to ridiculous ideas like sending social workers rather than the police when there's a problem. So a 250-pound man beating up his 90-pound girlfriend or wife, the wife calls 911 and a social worker shows up. Give yourself a raise for that one. It makes no sense. Why? Because when people are angry, they don't contemplate things. We don't. We get blinded. I have a toothache. Fine, call a plumber. Now, we may, we may chuckle at that, but, but, but here's what's going on. The Bible's clear about this. I mean, you know, we, 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 we're, this is not a, uh, a political party thing, okay? Please. This is a Christian thing. This is a biblical thing. When we are angry, we simply neglect to contemplate and think the things that we need to contemplate, and the result is often uncontrolled and unthoughtful reaction and gets us into a world of trouble. Proverbs 29.11 says, Fools give vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Wise implies that you and I use our mind to think and to contemplate. But if we just fly off the handle, the Bible calls us fools. It's as simple as that. Now that's, that's, that's more of the global problem here. But what about a personal level? How many times have you lost it and just reacted in anger without thinking and then have to regret what you have done? How many have done that? I think it happens to the best of us. Some of my biggest regrets, some of the biggest regrets I have in life are the times when I got angry at my children without thinking how they will receive that anger. And I regret that. And I can't bring it back. And that's the foolishness of not thinking before reacting. That's why, that's why this is never going to be a, a political issue as far as I'm concerned. This has nothing to do with anything. This has to do with the human heart. The Word of God says we must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We can never take back the consequences of a wrong response of anger. And we've all been there, haven't we? Sometimes I wish I could take back those times when I reacted in anger in a wrong way and intentionally or unintentionally caused another person to be discouraged and hurt. 
And sadly, the only thing I can do at that point is to repent. And the good news is, when I do, God pours His love back into my heart. And I'm passionate about that because I really believe that the only solutions to the problem we're having, we can get angry, all, all of us can until we're blue in the face, but until God captures the heart, things will never change. It simply will not. I just praise God because His love covers a multitude of sin. Romans 5.5 5 says this, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Contemplate our reaction. Recognize that we live in a troubled world. And if we respond the wrong way to this troubled world, it's going to get us into a world of trouble. Secondly, to tame the fury within, we must accept, secondly, that complete righteousness is God's work alone. Complete righteousness is the total work of God. Listen to, again in verse 20. James says, Each of you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger unchecked can lead to ungodly acts. No matter how justified our anger may be, Scripture warns us not to indulge in the temptation to correct the wrongs and make it right using our own indignation and personal righteousness. The Bible commands us. And God is consistent in His Word. In our indignation, we are never given the right by God to execute justice on the basis of our own anger and personal disposition. Because if we do, we will inevitably execute justice based on our own laws. We become a law unto ourselves. And when that happens, all hell will break loose. That's what's going on. We are only allowed to exercise righteous justice, righteous anger, under God's direction, not our own personal hate and fury. Time and time again, if you read the Old Testament, it was God who gave directions on how His people should deal with their enemies. It's God's direction that His people need to follow in order for justice to take place. It was never given to the nation to use their own wisdom or use their own mechanism, use their own emotional response, use their own anger to deal with the enemies of God. God superintends everything, especially in how we exercise justice in dealing with the things that are going on. It's about God's righteous decrees. It is God who judges. It is God who sets the rules. We are to obey the decrees of the Lord and respond according to His ways, according to His directions, not according to our own personal anger because all hell will break loose. Let me give you an example. In, during World War II, this is, this is incredible. All right? We all know that we need to stop the Japanese from expanding their rule in the South Pacific because they are an imperial... Uh, uh, an army really just invading nation after nation in, uh, in the Pacific. You know, if you have any kind of righteous indignation, yes, let's go deal with those Japanese army. Let's go defeat them. Let's go, let's go finish uh, the war by, by, by defeating them and punishing them. And that's, that's good. We need to fight tyranny. But at the same time, they gathered a lot of Japanese Americans... 
and they put him on concentration camp style <laughs> facilities. Okay? Now, again, I'm not speaking on behalf of Asians or whoever. I'm speaking of humanity's failure to exercise proper judgment of righteousness when it comes to dealing with anger. Alright? On the one hand, it's justified that you defeat the Japanese army, but on the other hand, you have to incarcerate these potential spies that can... I mean, that's what they said. Later on... uh, Historian says, well, that would have been good for the Japanese people. Otherwise, they said, uh, they're going to be victims of violence because a lot of people at that time who dislike the Japanese are going to go, you know, go after them. But that's some kind of a twisted thing, you know. <laughs> How can you fight evil with another form of evil? It just doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Because God says, it's my way. When you exercise judgment, don't use your anger. Don't use your indignation, however correct you are, because I, I alone, God says, will be the one who will correct all the wrongs. Only God can do that. The moment we try to correct the wrongs that we cannot correct accurately because we don't know God, we play God. And when we play God, hell breaks loose and things happen. And you don't have to be a very smart man or woman to figure out what God is saying in His Word. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, You will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.